Hello and welcome to Wisdom and Productivity, the podcast of Dr. Efraim Martinez. I am a principal in search of wisdom, and I have found productivity to be a great tool for success. Today, I have the great and distinguished honor of interviewing Brian Martin, who is a teacher and the host of the Teaching Champions podcast. Brian Martin, who are you? All right, Efren, first and foremost, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. I'm a big fan of the show. I've been a listener, and I just love the whole um, thought behind this podcast and the energy you bring. So very humbled to be here. My name is Brian Martin. I'm a second grade teacher. I'm the host of the Teaching Champions podcast. I've been teaching for 20 years. I'm a veteran. I'm a former basketball coach, and most importantly, I'm a husband. Wow, wow. Brian, I have to ask you, uh, what is one or two lessons you have brought to you to the field of education from being a veteran? From being a veteran, I'd say number one, and one of the biggest things is communication. Like communication, how we communicate with our students, how we communicate with our colleagues is just pivotal. I was, um, you know, I was, I served in Iraq and we were a transportation company. So our whole mission was we would take, take supplies from point A to point B. And we would get to the mission and we would be joined by a company that we didn't really have any relationship with. So all of a sudden you got two different groups coming together that don't work together on a daily basis, and you're going outside the wire from one base to another base. And it just showed the importance of that communication piece, being able to, to talk with one another, being on the same page, understanding what to do. And along with that comes just the preparation, the importance of preparing. And understanding, you know, what we need to do, whether it's preparing for our day in the classroom, whether it's preparing uh, for the week. Just, uh, you know, I know there's a big difference when I've put in the work and really prepared for my lessons in those days when that preparation might not have been as good. There's definitely a difference in the flow and everything. And I would say the third uh most important lesson is, so in the military, you go out and whether it's a training exercise or whether it's a regular mission, um, you brief beforehand. And then when you finish the mission, everybody gets together and you do another briefing. They call it an AAR. When you talk about the things that went well and the things that didn't go so well. So I try to include that um, in my normal daily life. And usually it's just at the end of the day, just sitting in the recliner a little bit and, and going through my day. What went well? What didn't? Tomorrow, what do I need to do better so that it's a better day? Wow. Importance of reflection, by the way. Thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. So um, let's walk us, please, through your professional trajectory up to this point. Yeah, so my uh, professional trajectory, um, I was in college, 
And when I was in college, I was actually actually going to go for being a police officer. I guess, you know, I grew up in the era. I think we're along the, the same age where the big movie stars, you had like uh, Sylvester Stallone and you had Van Damme and Steven Seagal. So, you know, as a, as a young guy, I thought that was the path that I really wanted to go down. And, uh, but I got to school and I realized after, you know, a year or two, even though I wanted to help people, that wasn't the trajectory that was meant for me. And I'm in uh, the gym and I was doing an intramural basketball game and just struggling a little bit because I didn't know where my life was going to go. And another guy that I was playing with, he started talking to me about elementary education and my parents and my grandparents, they were all educators and it just clicked. And I was like, you know what? That's what I'm going to go for. So I ended up going and my senior year, I joined the reserves and then I got a job out of college, taught kindergarten for two years. We got then moved up to first grade. My, I got activated. So I left the classroom and, and that whole um, journey took about uh, a year and a half where I was on active duty orders. And then I came back home and I've been a second grade teacher ever since. And after I got back home from the military, I also started coaching and was in a great basketball program. And the gentlemen that I worked with were sensational. And I just learned a ton of tips and tricks from them that you could bring back into the classroom. And, you know, then I started the podcast about a year and a half ago. And here I am. Wow. Okay. Let's, let's, let's peel that onion. Okay. Um, I just finished, uh, 11 rings from Phil Jackson, his book and reflection on, on that journey. Uh, what is one or two lessons that you brought to the classroom from your coaching experience? You know, the neat thing about coaching is, is these guys are lifelong learners and you know, my, uh, the gentlemen that I work with, so we're high school coaches and, and they were always trying to improve the craft. And my assistant coach is one of my best friends and he's uh, the head coach of the team. Now he would reach out to division one coaches and just ask them questions. And a lot of times, you know, the head coach division one program, that's high, high stress. There, there's a ton on their plate, but they have a ton of assistant coaches and the majority of these assistant coaches were super generous with their time. They were super generous with their information and they would reach back out. And whether it was sending them videos or just uh, different links to, to different parts. So it was all about that piece where being a lifelong learner, it's that piece about not hesitating to reach out and ask a question to be curious. And I listened to a coaching podcast today and one of them's like coaching you live. And so they were talking and the two guys that were talking, one's Brendan, sir, he's the host and it, his resume is super long, been in the NBA, high level NCAA men's basketball program. And he's interviewing another gentleman and this guy equally as long. And I think he's the head woman's uh, coach at LSU and but he was talking about, you know, they both had NBA players, WNBA players. And it was interesting when you talk about learning. And I think this podcast is all about learning. 
right? And they both said, so these are basketball coaches, that they learn more from going and watching football coaches. Like they were talking about going and watching Nick Saban, the one gentleman reference. And they said, reaching out, looking outside of their specific area, what are the other greats doing? How are they approaching the day? What are they doing that I can bring back into my space? So I think that's another huge lesson. And then just, uh, I guess the last one was these gentlemen, they would always be watching film and, you know, going back, watching film. And it was in the details. When you get up to, you know, you can win in your local area. But when you want to go high into the States where there's only like four teams left into the States, the victories come inside the details. And, you know, I'll give a bonus lesson too that I think it's super Please. important that um, our my uh, friend who's the head coach now, he always preached it's not about playing the perfect game. It's about making less mistakes today than you did yesterday and making less mistakes tomorrow than you do today. And that seed wasn't planted one day. It was planted in every single practice. And I think, you know, I'm big on growth mindset. And we can't, sometimes, you know, Carol Dweck's work, a lot of, we throw up a poster about yet, but it's all about, that can't just be it. You know, it's about, I talk with my students every single day, we have a little mantra. And the first thing that we say is make mistakes, like celebrating those mistakes. And we say that every single morning because I want them to hear it 180 times. And we're going to talk about it throughout the day as well. So I think, you know, not fighting where we want to be perfect, understanding there's very little that's perfect, but it's doing our best. It's learning, reflecting, tweaking and just going out there and doing it again. Wow. Teaching children about failure at that age, you know, I, I, I think that's such a great lesson because um, children and adults, we want to get it the first time and we want to succeed right away and, and, and life is not like that. What a great journey. So um, let me ask you, mm -hmm. like in Back to the Future, if you could go back in time and advise yourself from then, what would you tell Brian of that day uh, that Brian perhaps didn't know? Yeah, if I could go back to my first year teaching. Now I walked in, I got hired about two weeks before the school year started and I walked into a kindergarten classroom and I would say it was a, a beautiful disaster. And I'm, on my end, like, uh, you know, I love the kids. They were unbelievable. And I tried really, really hard. Um, kindergarten is a whole new level. I didn't quite under understand, you know, the, the nuances to it and everything. And I think everybody's first year is, you know, a huge, that, that learning curve is unbelievable. But if I could go back, I think, number one, I tell myself that it's going to be okay. Because at that point, I had never experienced what I felt to be like failure to the level that it was. Because, you know, I can fail for myself. I don't, you know, I'm all right with that. 
But when you when the parent send you their most prized possession and you feel like you're failing them, that's a whole new level. And I guess too, I you know, I was blessed with some beautiful mentors. Um that basketball coach, the head coach that I was talking about, um he he was at my school. He was actually my basketball coach and when I was in high school. And he ended up being my mentor there. And he would always tell me, because I was going into school every single day on the weekends and everything. And he said, you got to realize that Rome wasn't built in a day. And it's a simple quote. It's something that all of us have heard. But it gets to the point, like, a little by little, a little becomes a lot. And it's just uh, understanding to pace yourself, understanding that you can't become great right off the bat. There's steps, and we can't skip the the steps. And then a big thing that I think I would go back and say is ask better questions. You know, when we were first at the internet and what it is today is so much different than when we were first starting out. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, now you got Instagram and all these video platforms where you can go and you can watch great teaching. And, and see those little, we talked about those details, right? You can see those little details. When, when we were first starting out, it was more, we did have the internet, a lot more basic. And I guess going into kindergarten, sometimes you look at those cutesy projects or you look at pictures of reading centers. So mm -hmm. I would always, you know, what's the reading center that I can build? And, but I wasn't looking at the art of teaching. I wasn't necessarily going in and looking at how my other kindergarten teachers who are absolute angels and were so good and I didn't take advantage enough or understand enough to go in and not necessarily watch what they were doing, but how were they doing it? You know, how were they setting up the classroom? How were they interacting with the kids? How were they managing doing that classroom management and setting up all those little routines? How were they asking the questions to the students? And then, so just asking better questions, breaking down like their classrooms and how they were doing it. So I guess that, yes. that would be the big thing. Ask better questions. Wow. You know, um, when when I started teaching, I started with high school thinking that's what I wanted. Then I taught kindergarten to third. It didn't work mm -hmm. either. I, <laughs> I found my niche in middle school. Uh, mm -hmm. Did you ever felt pressure as a male teacher to teach other grade levels? Uh, did you had a rejection from people? What is this guy doing in these grades? Uh, what were what was your experience uh, with that? You, you know, I've been uh, really lucky as far as I haven't felt a lot of pressure um, to go to upper grades. I do think I would be a better middle school teacher than naturally. I think I would get, uh, uh, you know, work the art of teaching um, better with like 10, 11, 12 year olds than necessarily mm -hmm. the, the five, six, seven year olds and everything yes. but you know it's a beautiful thing i've only i've never worked with another male teacher it's crazy it sounds so my building right now is pre-k through third um when i first started it was pre-k through five i've never had another like general education male teacher i've always been the only one so in a way 
you know, it, it's neat for the kids where Absolutely. I can be that male. Um, also, everything that I've ever done, whether it was, you know, high school basketball was big for me. Um, teacher, or the military was big for me. I always, and I don't know if you've ever felt this, like when I look back, sometimes those regrets on what I could have been or how I could have done haunt me more than than what I do do. And there's yes. certain things like, I don't know that I'm at the point of being the best second grade teacher that I want to be. So at the end of the career, I'm hoping that I can get to that stage where I can look back and say, you know what, little by little, a little became a lot. It took me a long time, but when I closed the door for that last time, I finally arrived to where I was happy at. That's very, that's very smart for you to say, because uh, often, um, uh, especially when we start our career, we're always living in the future. When I get to be, right, and mm -hmm. we go back to the coaching uh, thing that, when you're the forward, you're not to be the center. You're not to be the guard, right? Mm -hmm. You have to play that position so well because it is needed for the team to succeed. And I am yes. glad that you get to to live and 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 be the star in that position that you're playing. That's awesome. Yeah, well, I don't know how much of a, a star I am, but uh, we're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate your humbleness. Uh, so, uh, Brian, as you know, reading books is such a luxury. If you had to mm -hmm. gift two books, one fiction and one nonfiction to a loved one, which one would be those two books? Yeah, you know what? So I'm, I'm going to go a little off here. I'm going to be like my second grader and not necessarily uh, listen specifically to the question. <laughs> I'm going to give you a couple. <laughs> so I think for your audience, like I'm a big book lover and everything is... Um, Ryan Holiday, the author, oh, he he has a, a bunch of great books all about stoicism. So if you're a stoic fan, check out Ryan Holiday. He has some like ego is the enemy, obstacle is the way, stillness is the key. And there's a couple other ones that he has out there. Um, really the good stoic. books. Man. Yeah, the, the Daily Stoic, absolutely. And then Tim Ferriss, um, mm. he's an interesting individual very when we talk about deconstructing things and really looking at the systems and the processes he has a a book and he has multiple out but one that i thought was pretty neat is tools of titans oh yeah and uh that, that was a pretty cool book yeah. and you know both of those gentlemen um have podcasts so like you said the daily stoic check out uh ryan holiday's podcast daily Stoic. Tim Ferriss has uh, the Tim Ferriss show. And, you know, he had a great episode recently. It was right at the beginning of the new year with James Clear, the mm -hmm. author of Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. So if you want, if you want some great systems and productivity, check that episode out. And another fantastic podcast that if you um, haven't heard of that you really might like is it's called uh, Finding Mastery by Ooh. Michael Gervais. And I think you would really like it. I think the listeners would really like it. He's a high performance psychologist. And you know, he works a lot with high performers, the NFL, he's in with the, the Seattle Seahawks and everything. And he just, he comes from the psychologist background mm. and he interviews these top performers and he really breaks it down. 
and I was just listening to him yesterday, and it, it was uh, uh, unbelievable. He was interviewing a Holocaust survivor. This woman, she's 95 years old, and the wisdom that uh, she was dropping was so unbelievable, and it was so special. And he interviews high performers from all over, so that's definitely one that you should check out. And then I would say for, if we go to the fiction side, uh, you know, I, I know it's been referenced on this show before, but uh, big Harry Potter fan. When the last book came out, I was over in Iraq and we had a, a group of us, like five or six of us. And we got one copy of the last Harry Potter book and it just circulated uh, around with everybody. But I think, uh, you know, there's a, the whole series and just to sit down with your young kids, you know, when they're third, fourth, fifth. And uh, and you just can have that family time and read with them. Uh, I think it's awesome. Yes. So, you know, sometimes uh, fiction books are also real because they are mm -hmm. taking real life and putting it in scenarios. And I can only imagine an author like the Harry Potter author to, to create all this world uh, out of like an imagination. It tells you that that we have so much more potential in, 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 oh. in all our students. Uh, we yeah. just have to, to show them the door, right? Absolutely. And you know, it's inter interesting when, when you said that is, so unfortunately, uh, the tragic loss of Kobe Bryant and all those other um, amazing people that perished in, in that helicopter uh, just happened about a month ago. And so I always go back and Kobe's a, a fascinating individual. I'm a, you being in Chicago, I'm sure you're a, mm -hmm. probably an MJ guy. MJ yeah. was my guy back no, in the day. Kobe too. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. So I wasn't, I wasn't a huge Kobe fan at first, but then by the time, you know, his career was wrapping up, really respected the man. And if you listen to him, he was a genius. And, uh, you know, he, he has a couple videos, but he spoke, Italian fluently. Um, mm -hmm. I forget. There's three languages that he was fluent in speaking. Just extremely intelligent individual. Yes. And, and you know, he said uh, his one of the no, no, one of the biggest things for him was. And if you look to around the people that interacted with Colby, said he was more curious than anybody they had ever met that he was always asking questions. And when you talked about, you know, the life lessons in fiction books, on one of the interviews he was talking about, um, when he was in high school, he had this English teacher that really turned him on to books. And he said he would used to study these fiction books because it would teach him real life lessons on how to be a great teammate, how to be a great leader. And, uh, you know, so he was just talking about because as he retired, he was uh, getting into the creativity sphere where he was publishing books. Um, I know he had a podcast coming out and everything. So it yeah. was really interesting when you said that. Jordan will say that the only person in the NBA who will like bug him about all the things that happened, like, behind the scenes, the wisdom and productivity mm -hmm. was Kobe. And uh, um, Phil Jackson says that also he was the one asking him questions about leadership and how to think uh, about um, the social emotional side 
of uh, talking to people. And, and, you know, Phil Jackson describes him also as an imperfect being, even though we, we idolize him, but he mm -hmm. describes that, that he was also a hard headed, that he wanted to just like, like do it by himself. And until he realized mm -hmm. that in a team, you're just only one, right. And you have to mm -hmm. have all the parts that it was that he really became that, that star that he was. Like, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Absolutely. Beautiful. And here's a really neat uh, story that I think your audience would like that that I heard. Sometimes you hear something and it just sticks with you. It sticks. So I'm watching these these things about Kobe Bryant. And, you know, his first year, he came right out of high school into the NBA. And so you're 18 years old. You get thrust into the top basketball program out there. And he they went into the playoffs. And I think they were playing the Utah Jazz at the time. And it was the last game, whether, I don't know, if it was a series of seven or a series of five or whatever. But they go and Kobe just goes out there and it's air ball after air ball after air ball. And he said it was just awful. And they showed a picture of it on this video while they're interviewing Kobe. And he said, you know, he's walking back to the bench and they get bounced out of the game. And, and Shaq has his arm around him trying to whisper things in his ears. And he gets back in there and, and all these people are saying, oh, you're going to be all right, Kobe. And, and it's interesting because you're an 18-year-old kid. How do we deal with failure? How do we look at it? How do, we, how do you look at it? You know, we see these NBA players and – we think because they had they make hundreds of millions of dollars, super rich, that they should just let things bounce off of them. You know, how do you deal with that? And he said, you know, he could care less in that moment about what Shaq's whispering in his ear. He said he could care less that he airballed six times. He goes, I asked myself, why? Why did that happen? And he said, because... In high school, you only played 20 to 30 games. That In the NBA, you played 70 to 80 games And once you get into the offseason. And his legs were shot. So instead of crying about it, he asked himself why, and he knew in the offseason that he had to condition his legs. And, you know, when we get into that curiosity piece, when we experience that failure, it's just a, a lesson to me to not, he said, don't take yourself so seriously. Like stuff that ego down a little bit and just ask why. And what do I need to do to be a little bit better and tweak it? And then go out, tweak it, and try it again. Absolutely. Let me, let me ask you a reflective question. I remember one time talking about, in this example, I was talking about Maradona to a family. And I was talking about the discipline that you must have to, to be uh, somewhere, and I used the sports example, and the family, you know, kind of testy, caught me. Mm -hmm. said, you know what? We're not talking about sports. We're talking about reading. And what would you say to a parent or anyone on why uh, the examples that we use of sports are a reflection of the best that we can do? with our lives, regardless of what area of our lives. Yeah, as far as, you know, I, I just think sports are such a great example of, you know, of just how life plays out. 
because we can't always we can't control the end result. You know, I can't control if I go out there and make that basket. What I can control is my preparation for it. What I can control is how I handle it when it doesn't go in. I can control my body language. I can control, you know, how I communicate with my teammates and everything. So I guess guess just trying to draw the parallels. And communication is such a tricky thing because we can, you know, how we're communicating is what I think I'm saying to you right now. But on the flip side is what are you hearing and what are you taking in? So it's just yes. a, that's a whole different skill level. Absolutely. Especially when we teach our children, in, in, depending on the grade level, how we have to adapt the message that perhaps we, we think and reflect as adults and how do mm-hmm. we put it, not simplify it, not uh, um, water it down, but how do we do it in a way that a kid at a XH will be mm-hmm. able to say, I get it, right? To that, to yes, that knowledge. Beautiful. Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> Brian, let me ask you, who is or who are your biggest influences? Yeah, you know, I would say at this point in time, um, looking back, I think at different points in your life, you always have different people that have affect you. And you might not even realize the effect that they've had. So I've had, you know different stages, um, whether it was coaches, whether it was peers, whether it was, uh, you know, I worked at a hamburger joint for, for eight years. Some of the cooks that I were around that were a little bit older than me, they had a big effect on me. But the most important people all together definitely would be the family. I think whether it's uh, my parents and you always look at the life lessons and we were talking beforehand where you're always trying to be a little bit better than than your parents. But Mm. the more, you know, the older I get, I can only hope to live up to my parents, to to the example that they gave me because I was blessed. And then I look, my wife, we are very different in some ways. And she will do like, she will not give up on a problem. And she will uncover every stone. Even when I'm like, there's no more stones left to unturn. And she will keep at it until she she uh, goes and unturns everything. And usually, you know, she's able to find a solution. So, you know, myself, sometimes I would uh, give up a little bit quicker or move on or just go a different avenue. So I, I take lessons from that. My in-laws, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, they're both... Uh, amazing people both have their different strengths so you know sometimes it's looking at at different people seeing their different strengths how they approach the day and just you know everyone's our teacher and we can learn from every single person that's a great lesson everybody's a teacher let me ask you what does your wife mean to you so much like like we were talking i don't have any children so it's uh you know it's the two of us and you know so can't really put it into words it's a uh peanut butter and jelly right there can't have a peanut butter and jelly without the you know both ingredients and you we're very different very alike and i guess it joins together beautiful thank you so much i appreciate it mm-hmm. so let me ask you uh we all 
go through this where we feel I'm not good enough. I can mm -hmm. do that. Uh, that's not at my level. I cannot reach out. Uh, and in psychology, they call it imposter syndrome. How mm -hmm. do you deal with this? Yeah, I think, you know, imposter syndrome is tough. And like you said, I think we all deal with it. When I look back and I see the, the times that I've failed, it's definitely been because that voice uh, in the head was there tearing me down, saying why I wasn't good enough and everything. So I've done a lot of work on that to, to try and improve and try and get better. I think self-talk, how we talk to ourselves is huge. And we don't always under realize the words that are running subconsciously through our heads. And, you know, teachers, a lot of teachers love John Acuff. I don't know if you, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. John Acuff, but uh, mm -hmm. another great podcast that he has. But he came out with a book called Soundtracks. And that book is all about self-talk. And, you know, one thing that, that he says that I think we all need to, to understand is in that self-talk, when you listen to the message that you say to yourself, are those words, is it helpful? He says three things. Is it helpful? Is it kind? Is it true? And I've read sports psychologist books as well that talk about self-talk. And they add one more thing onto it. So is it helpful? Is it kind? Is it true? And in the sports is it true a hundred percent of the time? Because, you know, I can go into the classroom and I can have a bad lesson and there's no getting around it. If it's a bad lesson, you know, I can't say it was a good lesson, but does that mean I'm a bad teacher? Because I'm not, I, I don't go in every single day. So it's just a bad moment. So paying attention to that self talk, is it true a hundred percent of the time? and changing it, reframing that self-talk. Um, you know, looking at intentions. For me, um, you know, if we do the this podcast, you do a podcast, I do a podcast, there might be some things that, that the listeners don't agree with, or they say, this, that was terrible. Well, what were my intentions with, with this? You know, my intentions are to go out and hopefully um, be true, be honest, and hopefully give something that maybe it will help somebody else. If you're giving a presentation out there, you're just going out there and you're doing your best to help and to serve and understanding those intentions. Because sometimes the need to be perfect, nothing's ever perfect. And if you stay true to your intentions, then you can curtail that perfection. Um, and then two other things that, that come along. Like I said, I did a lot of work with uh, sports psychology books and listening to those sports psychology podcasts and trying to put it into my own life. And even, um, you know, we were talking about Kobe Bryant, so we can stay with that, is you're preparing for something and, you know, say you're giving a talk to somebody. Did I put in the work? I can be, when you talk about the imposter syndrome, if I put in the work, then I can be confident. I had this student the other day and I talked with my students about this. I had a little guy, you know, he uh, cranks out. He's, he's pretty, gets it pretty quick. Yeah, you know, everybody gets it at different levels. He's always got it pretty quick. Well, at the beginning of the school year, the mo mother was telling me how, you know, the year before he's, he didn't want to come to school at a certain point. And it was because 
he wasn't excelling against some of the other students. He wasn't number one in, in this math thing. So um, fast forward to this school year, we're sitting on Friday and toughest thing in second grade for me, math wise for the students is we're regrouping with subtraction. Like in, so some of my students and it's, you know, the first week when you're first doing something, we talk about this, that it's difficult. So some of my students, they're doing uh, two digit subtraction with regrouping. Well, he got a little bit. So I had another group that were doing it with three digits and he comes to me at the end of the day and he wants some extra problems on the board. And he goes, you know, no, Miss Martin, I was really bad at this this morning. And he kind of, he got a, a little, uh, tough face on it you know his face went down a little bit and i was like my man i said did you quit he's like nope i said now you just started this right he said yeah i said do we deserve and and bear with me a little bit but i think honesty is good for the kids just like we talk about making mistakes i said do you deserve to be good at something the first time that you do it because he's so used to being great at it. And he said, no. And I said, but are you better at it right now? Yep. Are you going to be better at it next week? Yep. So it, it's getting in and talking about doing that work, talking about, you know, planting those seeds, making that mistakes. And even as adults, we want to be good at something right away. Mm -hmm. We have really, you know, that microwave society. It's understand there's a process to everything. So I, th I think just, uh, you know, if I can tell myself I put in the work, I can look back and think about that highlight reel, all the great things that you've done. It's important. Like you said earlier, we're always looking forward to the next thing, right? How often do we look back? Uh, I'm not sure if you're a David Goggins fan. Yes. Do you know who David Goggins is? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, for for the listeners, if you don't know who David Goggins is, he has an amazing story. Um, Navy SEAL and just uh, when you talk about growth mindset, his whole life is about a growth mindset. But in his book, he has something called the cookie jar. Mm -hmm. And he said, you, you need to make a cookie jar and you need to take little mental notes of all your successes and you need to put them in that cookie jar. And when you're feeling that imposter syndrome, when you're feeling like you can't do something, he said you reach into that cookie jar and you look back and you think about the great things that you have accomplished, the things that you have overcome. And I, I think that's important for us when we're facing new things that we need to go back and we need to think about what were the things that we've accomplished? What were the things that were challenging that we had to grind it out but we got after it and we accomplished it. And then uh, I'd say the last thing for me, which has been huge, is the process of visualizing mm, and picturing it in your head. You know, whether if you're giving a talk or you're, you're getting observed or, you know, it could be anything. Just seeing it, you know, hearing it and feeling what it, what it would feel like to be successful because there's studies out there. There's a ton of research out there that our brains don't know the difference. Like if you close your eyes and you do that scenario in your head, that uh, it's almost like you actually did it. 
This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. So there, there's huge, huge benefits to visualizing. Amen. Absolutely. Uh, you have said so many uh, great things. Um, uh, Robin Sharma, I know you like him too. Um, yes. Um, I think he says something like, our brain is like uh, something inside a box. And if we say, mm -hmm. I'm so stupid, I'm so lazy, I'm, your brain, oh, you're lazy. Okay. So mm -hmm. it, it, yeah. it works at the speed that you want to work in. And if you get to visualize, for example, your brain is going to go 10 steps ahead because it's mm -hmm. going to do what you want it to do. Uh, what a great way to put it. Um, let me ask you, uh, you're so busy with your instruction and obviously you take your professional learning very seriously and you decide one day, you know what? I'm going to do a podcast. Uh, can you tell us about that process and how Teaching Champions uh, was born and what are some lessons you have learned? Yeah, so um, Teaching Champions, I guess, was born um, when I was coaching basketball. My assistant or the assistant coach, the other assistant coach, we would sit on the buses and we're a rural place. So we would drive, you know, every game is an hour to two hours away. Oh. and. We, I don't know how, but the, the, like the seniors on the basketball team, they would all get their own individual seats where all the, the coaching staff were, were bundled up right next to each other, but it was, it was good. And so we would sit next to each other and we would just talk and about all different things. So really, you know, I want, almost wanted to take those bus rides and, you know, extend them out because I, you know, it started out with coaching. Like I said, that there's so many things that we can take from the coaching world and bring it into the classroom. And I work with a bunch of uh, ladies, not all of them are big sports fans, but if they learned, heard those lessons or it was just told to them in a little different way, I think that they would really uh, gravitate towards that. So I, I guess that's where um, I, I took that. And it's just a chance to, to connect like how cool is it that I am on a podcast with Dr. Efrain <laughs> Martinez right now? You know, you get to, and I, I'm sure that you would say the same thing, that you get to connect yeah. with people from all across the country. And we don't always share, like people I think are really generous, but I don't know if it ego sometimes or, or such, sometimes it's easy to get caught up in our own silos. And we don't hear about the great things that are happening out there. And sometimes that gets put out is you can get on social media and you can see a lot of the negative noise sometimes. And it's easy to get trapped into that. But it, it, so it's neat to connect with, with other people. And negative stuff is always going to be there's always going to be difficult days and stuff. But there's also great moments. So it's neat to, to connect with other people that are spreading some of the great things that they're doing to learn from them and ju just hear about some of the special stuff that's going on. And, you know, when, when you talk about some of the great lessons that I've learned um, so much, like 
you you talk with i know you got an episode with dr darren pepper coming up yes one thing that that uh huge thing that I, that i took away from him it's in his book but he talks about a lot like two questions and he said he was in the faculty meeting and they were complaining about stuff he was leading it and they were talking i think about hat issue with the students and one of the staff members raises their hand because people are just going, how can we solve this problem? How can we solve this problem? And one of the staff members raises their hand and she was like, why does it always have to be about what's wrong with them? Why can't it be about what's right? And, you know, I, I took oh, that and there, there's, yeah, there, it's awesome. And I took that last year, you know, when you're having a struggling student and they, they leave that room or you leave the end of the day, and if you're focused on what was wrong with them or that moment or what, you know, where your personalities might not align, that's all you're going to see. That's going to be at the forefront of your mind. And you're just subconsciously, you're going to be looking for it. And then, but if you twist it and say, well, what's right, what's right, what's right. And, and really think about that. And all of us, you should be able to name a bunch of great things about all of your students. So really putting that focus on the positive, Good. I think is a huge lesson. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, Brian, you have uh, a great, you are prolific on your tweeting. That for me is the <laughs> modern poetry slash graffiti. Uh, <laughs> can you tell us, were you surprised with the, with the following that you have had, uh, did this, how did it start? Uh, your messages are always so inspiring and, and it makes people, uh, uh, feel that, Hey, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Can you, uh, share with us about your experience, uh, tweeting out, uh, messages? Yeah, you you know, Twitter's a funny thing that um, I don't know if uh, I write the most, the best tweets. Um, there's people that I read that, that are a lot uh, more uh, articulate, maybe you would say. But I try and keep it at the just the positive and just what I want to put out in the world. And it's not necessarily that, like, you know, the toxic positivity is such a a buzzword right now but i look at it as what energy do i want to put out into the world so you know i've been blessed um a lot of people there, there are some rabbit holes that you can go down if you want to go into the political spectrum you can you can get some uh rabbit holes that uh on on any which way but you know being positive um and it's interesting you know i guess For me, one of the biggest lessons that, that I can give is, you know, John Acuff. We talked about John Acuff earlier, mm -hmm. and he, he talked about soundtracks. And the soundtracks are like, like the words that you speak to yourself, we said. But you can also listen to steal other people's soundtracks. Listen to what, what other people are saying. And I was interacting on Twitter with a gentleman and you know his name was like Jeff 17856 you know he had a handle like that and he oh just jumped goodness. on there and 99% of the people that I've interacted with 
have been really, really positive. Well, this guy, he was kind of attacking uh, one of my tweets about, uh, and just came after teachers and mm. could tell that he wasn't a teacher or anything. And so I actually uh, had a decent, you know, over Twitter, whatever conversation you can have, had a decent conversation with him. And I, I guess he became a Twitter friend or whatever. And he told me, you know, I was telling him my tweets are meant to just to encourage and to be positive. And he sent back one day, if you say you want to be an encourager, then encourage. And I guess that soundtrack, you know, from Jeff one, seven, eight, six, five, you know, it's been profound for me because that's so much that I'm not, I, I you know, I can give you a long list of, of everything that I'm not. But the one thing that, that I can do is be an encourager. And so I guess that's what I want to use my Twitter for. It's just to encourage, cheer people on. And, you know, when I listen to amazing podcasts like Wisdom and Productivity or The, the Finding Mastery or Tim Ferriss' show, if you hear something awesome, why do we want to keep it to ourselves? You know, let's share it out with the world. So yes. that, I guess that's that's what I do with it. Beautiful. I, I have a rule in social media following Dale Carnegie is do not criticize, condemn, or judge anyone because everybody else is doing that, right? There's plenty mm -hmm. for you to find about that. And it doesn't mean that you and I don't have our own opinions about things, but there's a time and a space for anything. And I love, I absolutely love that you have picked uh, uh, to go that way with social media because uh, I am sure you're making a difference in multiple people and uh, you might never get a thank you back, but it's like a symbolical badge of honor. And when we do good things, good things happen. Yeah, a hundred percent agree with that. And we can only speak uh, so many words. We can only send out so many tweets. So like you said, why not? Use those tweets, use those words to lift other people up. Amen. Beautiful. Awesome. So let's talk about productivity, right? Because wisdom mm -hmm. and productivity, I'm, I'm borrowing Eric Francis metaphor. He says that if in education, if, if the student is a bird, one bird is academics and one bird is social emotional. So I'm borrowing mm -hmm. his, his metaphor that in, in to succeed in life, you need your eye, your your wing with wisdom, but also your wing with productivity. Uh, and you mentioned also that uh, it's all about your planning and preparation and how you're going to teach a lesson or you're going to uh, do a task in the army and the reflection that comes uh, after the event. Uh, mm -hmm. But productivity means different things for different people. What does it mean to you? And how do you get to... What happens behind the scenes uh, for you to get to do all these things and still have a fructiferous life? Yeah, I think uh, productivity for me, it just means uh, knowing what you want to accomplish and knowing that you can only uh, accomplish. So we only all have 24 hours and putting in those systems and routines that are good for you on um, being very structured with your day. But but also recognizing, you know, for, for me, I actually put out two podcasts a week, but I've been, uh, it's been getting to be a little bit much. 
so I guess understanding and having your finger on your pulse and, and understanding not necessarily. And I've heard uh, James Clear talk about this, the author of Atomic Habits. You know, sometimes we think about everything that we need to do or a new system to put in place. But he sometimes talks about you can become more productive by thinking about trimming the fat. What are things that I can take away? So I, I guess that that would be a big thing, watching and thinking about what are the things that I can take away. How do you get in the mindset of creating effective lesson planning, whatever that looks uh, on your side? You know, sometimes, you know, we talk about like batch recording. If you listen to like podcasts and, and stuff, um, they, they, you know, they talk about knocking it all out. For, so for me, like on one day, I'll tackle, you know, the reading. And it's important for me, like to, to focus on, all right, this is what I'm going to do across the board in reading. And then in another time I'll come back and then I'll really focus on the math. So I, I guess it's like that that batch recording piece mm -hmm. where, where you're really thinking, looking down the line, what do I have coming up? You know, where am I looking back a little bit? What did we already cover that needs to a little bit more uh, repetition and going like that? Do, do you so do you create, uh, you know, I'm always trying to coach my my teachers. Um, do you create uh, a whole unit? Do you go week by week creating lesson plans? Like what is, what is your uh, magic behind the, the instruction? Yeah. And you know, this is something that I'm always trying to improve um, upon. We do the district. So we have like, like obviously, and I think most districts do that they have um, a year all, all mapped out and everything. So, so we got the basic blueprint for, for the year all mapped out. And then usually I go like week to week and, and stuff like it's every week's a little bit different. Yes. So we have like the month. So we have a month laid out where these are the topics for the month. So then I really zero in on a week. And because sometimes I find that, that if I go too far out, like I have the big things that I want to get done. But there's so many things like a lesson takes a lot longer or, you know, we had a field trip this week. So we lost a day there. Plus, it was a hundredth day and Valentine's Day for us. So I lost a day there. So there's little things that pop up throughout the week that, that throw things off. So I have the big things labeled out, but then the small details, it's more week by week basis. I see. I see. What about organizing uh, your podcasting life? Uh, and I'm talking about uh, the productivity part, right? The scheduling, the what episode is going to come, the editing, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, so, so podcasting. It'd be interesting to hear uh, how you set it up and everything, too. That um, So I always, for me and... They will tell you that podcasting, like you should have three or four all set in, like you have them to be released. For me, I don't like to do that. And it's a terrible productivity thing. I like to go week by week because, um, and I'm going to have Dr. Efrain Martinez on, on the podcast. So, so I can't wait for it. that. But, uh, you, you know, you have this moment, like we have this moment right here. 
And what I like to do is, you, you know, so we have, we're collaborating on this. And then I want that podcast to come out that same week. So like I'll tape it. If we were doing this and you were on my show, like we would tape this today. And then my shows come out on Sundays, like next Sunday, it would come out just because I want that. I've done it before where it's been three weeks out, but then you, you, you know, um, Dan Heath, he wrote it, Dan and Chip Heath, another yeah. great authors. They wrote the talk about the, the power of moments. Yeah. And this is a moment right here. When you connect with someone, it, it's a moment, but the more time that, that drags on some, some of that connection loses or it, it just dissipates a little bit that, so I always like a project that we collaborate on to, to be pretty close because I just, I just think it's a neat experience to collaborate with someone, something and put this art out into the world. So, Amen. Amen. and then I don't know about you, but, but there's so many great people out there. So you look at it at Twitter and, and it gets back to the coaching that I talked about that he would reach out to all these assistant coaches. So you come across some people that you think um, authors or presenters, because usually those are the type of people that would really want to be on a podcast. And it's all about learning from them. You see somebody cool. I have a list of about 50 to probably a hundred names. Every time I come across someone, I just highlight it and I put it into a list. And then, you know, you, you pick a couple out, you reach out, see if they're interested. And it's all about learning and growing yeah. and connecting. Yeah. Beautiful. So. It's like a, it's like a, like for me, it's like a, first of all, to, it's for my own professional learning, right? It's like, it's yeah. the equivalent of reading a book or watching a, a good uh, documentary or, or listening to a great podcast. It's like, you see great people and you wonder, wow, like, how do they, I, that's, that's how I connect. And, 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 and for sure, that's how I connected with you. I was like, I, I need to interview this guy. Um, uh, any other uh, mindful or fun things, uh, things you do uh, outside of your, all the things that we have already talked about that you might want to share with us? Yeah, you, you know, I guess just for, for me, like like exercise is key. When you talk about wisdom and productivity, taking care of your body is so important, like that that physical piece. Um, and, you know, another thing is what you feed your mind. And I know you're big on to that. What are the podcasts that you listen to? What are the tweets that you follow? What are the books that you read that, uh, you know, so I always try and try and doing that stuff and just to keep yourself in a positive state. So I guess that it's awesome. pretty simple. You, I live a pretty simple life. Do, can you share with us some of your exercise routine and, and, and what do you, do you listen to stuff? Uh, like what, what should we know? Because I'm sure there's people out there who know exercise is key, who know that, that if we want, if we, if we take care of this temple, we're going to have longevity, but, uh, tell us about your routine and what do you listen to, if anything, or, or maybe you watch something. What what can you share with us? Yeah, all right, sounds great. Um, so I try and do some form of exercise every single day. Um, weightlifting. Uh, you know, I used to go to the gym all the time. COVID hit, 
And I ended up, you know, dropping the membership and everything. And then, you know, for the listeners out there, it's pretty funny. I like to, to make fun of myself a little bit here. But if you if you're looking and you don't have a gym membership and you want something that's really affordable, check out Beachbody on Demand. Mm. Like it, it's uh, I think it's only like it's not that expensive. And they have a video collection that's huge from some some uh, if you want to get your Dr. Martinez, if you want to get a little Zumba on, you probably could uh, break down some Zumba videos. But they also have stuff like uh, P90X and, and more, like the, the muscle building stuff that, that are really good. So getting something like that, because, you know, as we get older, sometimes at time, it, it's hard. So when you can just go down to the basement or if you have another workout room and you can watch a 30-minute video. It is key or going outside and walking for 30 minutes. I also try and get like the cardio out there and get out and do um, run a couple times a week because that's huge. Do you then listen? Do you listen to something? Do you learn? Yeah, when, when I'm running, I, I yeah. So, well, uh, I guess I when I do it, I, I one of my favorite things, Amazon Audible. Oh, that yeah. I'll usually I put on a book and and while I'm running, that uh, I listen to a book and everything, or sometimes a podcast. Um, when I'm doing housework, I like to listen to podcasts and everything. And just like you said, what you feed your mind and everything. And a couple, you know, um, finding mastery, like we talked about the Tim Ferriss show, um, and some other ones. Like if you want more of the self help, you're talking about Tim Ferriss, Rich Roll, Lewis Howes. Um, if you want some, some leadership is you know i'm a big fan of jocko i don't know if you yeah, know yeah. jocko he, he was another navy mm -hmm. navy seal he has a, a good leadership uh john maxwell i love john maxwell's leadership podcast he has some good ones um you some other ones so like, many great uh, podcasts if you had to go into yeah. an island and they tell you you can only bring one podcast with you obviously metaphorically you have to pick only uh -huh. one which one would be your number one to go? I, I can I have to confess I cannot answer that question because I have I have not I'm afraid to select the answer because I feel like I'm 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 giving up on other stuff. But uh, perhaps you have thought about it. Yeah, you know that I was not ready for that question, Doctor Martinez. Uh, <laughs> so I guess if I could choose one. That it would be, uh, I'll give you two. Can I go with a one plus a go bonus one? It, it would have to be it. a toss up. It would either be Finding Mastery or probably the, the Tim Ferriss show. And I, I would say that just because of those two podcasts, they interview different people from all walks of life. So, I mean, it would be A or B, one, one of those two, because it's just neat to hear, you know, you could have a, a sports person on one time, and then the next time, like we said, you have that Holocaust survivor. Or you have uh, Tim Ferriss, he'll do like these movie producers. I've gotten into creativity, and, and I just got Rick Rubin's book. And so he had Rick Rubin on. And just hearing people's names that you wouldn't recognize. Like, I didn't know who Rick Rubin was, but he's this gentleman that's worked with all these artists from, like, artists, like musical artists. And just hearing his perspective 
And when you're working with groups like uh, the Beastie Boys, so he did like rap music, but he also did all these other different genres that were completely different. And listening to how they perceive the world, how they see it, is it's just so interesting. Well, I'm sure you're. What would be your like if you could? I don't want to get uh, boxed into one. What what are a couple for you? I will tell you, uh, and uh, and the comment is like. You bring so much more to the education field when you expand your horizons. And it's mm -hmm. great to listen to other educators, <clears throat> but it is even more magnanimous to expand your knowledge because students need to learn from different examples mm -hmm. and why, why get stuck in one field and being so arrogant, thinking that only us educators know everything. Uh, I mm -hmm. absolutely will say uh, my go-tos are uh, Tim Ferriss show. I think that, that that's mm -hmm. something that we have in common. Um, the Andrew Huberman uh, podcast. Oh, the Huberman lab. Like, like wow. Uh, yes. And uh, a kid called Lex Friedham. Uh, and he, he interviews uh, luminaries around the world and like, I mean, he, he, he goes to the interviewing, to the extreme left, to the extreme right, to the center, mm -hmm. to the controversial. And, you know, he gets a lot of hate because we live in a cancel culture, right? But mm -hmm. I am of the belief that just because you are listening to someone, that doesn't mean you're going to agree with all the interviewees. But you get to learn right. what to do good. You need to learn about the bad too about yes. the yes. to do to bring blessings you need to learn from the evil right because it makes mm -hmm. you a more a, a, empathetic person uh and you are able to support more people and i think that sometimes it's difficult to answer to that question because immediately people start identifying you oh so that means that you must be because it's so easy to label people uh but when you are um Uh, Nietzsche says, when you have a why, you can address anyhow, mm -hmm. right? And ah. I think my for me, it's like the more wisdom and productivity <clears throat> that I can learn from, from all the fields, then I can adapt it and bring it to my school. And when I'm coaching that 12-year-old who thinks that they know everything <laughs> or a teacher <laughs> that feels <clears throat> anger about not succeeding in something that I'm better able to support them, than mm -hmm. uh, just uh, having a straight line. I only read Marzano, right? And it's not that Marzano is not important. Obviously it is, right? But you, mm -hmm. when you're informed about the world, you can bring it locally to the needs of the people that you are serving and you become a better mm -hmm. educator. Yeah, so good. That's yeah, so good. yeah. Awesome. So, uh, uh, Brian, this has been a great time learning from you any last thoughts you would like to share with the listeners and viewers of the show yes uh, number one thank you so much uh, for having me dr martinez i uh, truly uh blesses has been so good we talk about like podcasting and, and the moment like it's just, it's just so neat to, to connect and you have such great energy so i appreciate it and yes and I guess I'll share this story with you real quick. Please. And it's something that, that I've held with me this school year. 
And so it's the beginning of the school year and we're having an open house. And um, one hallway, my, my one of my colleagues, she's retiring this year. And then like two classrooms down, uh, young lady, it, it's her first school year and she's crushing it. She, and she's bringing that, you know, that energy that only a new teacher, you, you know, that they have. So I go into my classroom of the teacher that's retiring. And this is her last time that she's uh, go around. This is her last open house. And, you know, I just wanted to feel her out, check in on her and see. And obviously, you know, excitement for retirement and, and looking forward to all of that. But she also had a surrealness about her and really taking that in and being like, you know, when, when you spend 20 to 30 years, a huge piece of your life doing something and knowing that it's finally coming to an end, like... I think there's a, there's a sense of maybe hopefully that there's a sense of appreciation of really trying to be in that moment. And, uh, you know, so I finished talking with her go, we have open house and everything. And, and I want, I went down to that young lady who's that new teacher and she's just on cloud nine and, you know, full of energy and this is the first time ever that she's met because we did open house before the school year so that they can drop their materials off with and everything and you, you know she's just on cloud nine and talking with her and seeing what that experience is like when you're brand new because there's something when you experience something for that first time and you have that energy that uniqueness Yes, that wow and that awe. So just taking those two extremes. like So I'm in the middle, 20 years in, and it's easy where you just put your head down and, and you bear through it. But what if I can have that appreciation, that being present, embracing the moment, and at the same time, try and capture some of that awe and that wonder of being that first time experience? It takes me a second to reflect on that one. It's that you see both extremes, right? The beginning and the end. Mm -hmm. It makes you appreciate everything. Uh, what a luxury to talk to you, Brian. Thank you so much. Oh, this has been phenomenal. And keep doing great things there, Dr. Efren. Oh, man. We're connecting up forever. Happy Saturday. Yes, happy Saturday, my friend. Thank you for listening to Wisdom and Productivity, the podcast of Dr. Eparim Martinez. Chulu. And the of that production. Chulu out.